Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're going to fly, we fly like eagles. Hey, good morning, good morning, good morning. It is the 19th of April, 2023. I'm uh, Carmen LaBerge. This is Mornings with Carmen, even if it's not morning where you are. Um, Happy day to you. The Lord's mercies are new every morning, and I don't know about you, but I need them new and afresh every morning. So grateful to God today for the day that he has made. Grateful that he is the Lord in it and over it. Turn to him today. Literally, at any moment, right now, in this moment, you can, you can turn to God. Like you can just consciously turn your attention to him and find yourself in his presence. Um, and if you say to yourself, I don't know how to get into the presence of God, that's actually why Jesus came. Jesus came to make the Father known, and he came to pave the pathway home so that literally you and I could return to God. And so if you've never um, put your faith in Jesus, if you've never said, I want, um, I want what Christ did on the cross to cover me, I want to have a reconciled relationship with God, I want to be able to turn to him, like, like Carmen says, and find myself in the very presence of the living God as his beloved child, redeemed in Christ Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Like Everything changes. Let me just go ahead. Like Everything changes and nothing changes. Like I think I should confess that. You're going to say to yourself, I I turn to Jesus and everything changes. And that's because literally there's this cosmic shift that takes place in all eternity. When one sinner turns to God in Christ Jesus, everything changes. And then over time, God changes everything about who you are and your relationships and the way you think and the way you speak and the way you act and the way you interact. But initially, it may feel like nothing has changed. And so I think I better confess and profess that up front. Our Growing Your Faith verse of the day today is from 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. And this is actually one of those turn to God uh, verses of Scripture. So 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. If we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves. We're not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to God, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all, this says wickedness, I have this memorized as all unrighteousness. So if we claim we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the way I memorized it. Um, I commend it to you today. I'm not really sure anybody, anybody who spends any time thinking about um, the reality of of who we are like whatever actually claim oh we have no sin we're we're perfect we're all perfect every one of us is no I think that if you spend even a minute you don't even have to spend a whole minute right if you give one thought to the reality of sin in the world 
you're going to recognize that sin is real and it's powerful. And if you give any thought to yourself, um, then you're going to recognize it's not just all the people out there that are sinful. I'm sinful too. So I, um, I don't imagine that there are many of us who think we are without sin. However, this passage does address that. If you actually think you're without sin, you're deceiving yourself. So I think I should say that out loud. Um, because none of us are living in perfect harmony with the character and the will of God in every moment. I know myself well enough to confess that I'm a sinner. I need the grace of God in Christ Jesus. I need the moment-by-moment work of the Holy Spirit within me, bringing me into conformity with the character and the will of God, making me more like Jesus um, by one degree of glory to another, as Scripture says. So I just invite you to consider the reality of sin today and consider the reality of sin in your own life today. Invite you to live in the truth, confess your sins to God. God is faithful and just. God will forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That is the gift of God's grace in Jesus Christ upon the cross. And God will remove it, yes, once for all. But then you're going to say to yourself, yes, but sin persists. I am tempted and I fail. Mm -hmm. That's why we need those new mercies of God every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Great is his faithfulness. Jeff Bilbro is going to join us. Um, We're going to talk about how we've lost the plot. When you think about um, all of the information and all of the content that literally now streams into your life every single day, is it hard? Has it grown difficult to distinguish truth from fiction? We're going to talk about that and how we discern the difference. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Jeff Bilbro is joining us again today. He teaches at Grove City College. He also aggregates something called the Water Dipper. You can find it at frontporchrepublic.com. It's where Jeff, um, who reads widely, brings us an aggregated list of things that um, he commends to our consideration. And so I have drawn from the Water Dipper a couple of articles for us to discuss today. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning, Carmen. So I would like for you to really walk us through um, this piece, and I recognize that it is um, from a couple of months ago, but it's it's really, really good, and it appears, I mean, it initially I think appeared a couple months ago. It's, it's in the March issue of The Atlantic, and it's called We've Lost the Plot. What is um, Megan Garber um, arguing in this piece? Yeah, in some ways, I suppose you could just say it's an update of uh, Neil Postman's Amusing Ourselves to Death. But I think she does a nice job um, drawing from a variety of contexts to put her finger on the ways that so much of our uh, interaction online, so much of the way that we live our lives in public, centers around, is this entertaining? Is this interesting? I mean, she has this example of how uh, one of her, her weather apps offered to send her push notifications to tell her about interesting storms. Like even the weather becomes a kind of entertainment. And the whole thing, you know, she talks about all these reality TV shows that repackage 
recent events as entertainment and uh, you know, even if that, that means changing the facts on the ground uh, that we have become sort of accustomed to and maybe addicted to uh, viewing reality as entertainment. And that's probably not healthy. That's, that's maybe makes us less able to engage uh, the world in a redemptive fashion, less able to uh, to engage things that are boring <laughs> or or haven't been sort of prepackaged for us that require uh, dealing with complexity and patience. So, uh, yeah, I think the kind of totalizing victory of the amusement over the real is uh, the disturbing argument that she makes in this essay. For people not familiar with Neil Postman's Amusing Ourselves to Death, um, we would commend that to you uh, in yeah. terms of a book that really does unpack, um, I think, how the mind is captivated and how the mind is changed over the course of time. Um, and it makes it much more difficult for us to focus on serious things for any length of time. Um, and uh, one of the things I appreciated about uh, this piece was just the reminder in this one paragraph um, about how amusement is this feature that um, that appears in sort of every dystopian uh, yeah. description of reality out there. She talks about Orwell's 1984, um, Bradbury's Fahrenheit 451, um, Aldous Huxley's Brave New World. Um, and and uh, Neil Stevenson's um, snow crash, but you could go, you could really make that list very, very long. Amusement or the desire to simply be entertained becomes a feature of um, of people who are living in dystopian realities. Yeah, that's right. And uh, you know, Postman has saw that, as you point out, a lot of these imaginative literary authors see that. And I think we recognize that, but uh, it's so attractive, so easy. I mean, amusement just means uh, not thinking, amuse, mm. to turn off your mind. And it, that's a seductive offer, a seductive invitation. It's so easy, um, even when we know that it's dangerous and that it's dehumanizing, we can still choose that uh, that route. So uh, maybe recognizing the dire places that it leads us will give us the, the courage to uh, to turn away and to seek out you know those things which are true and honorable and praiseworthy and and uh, feed our minds on on those things yeah what's uh, what's on your mind what do you set your mind on what do you what are you spending your time with in terms of you know what your eyes are seeing what you're reading what your ears are hearing on and on and on really good content We've Lost the Plot by Megan Garber. You can find the link um, on the frontporchrepublic.com water dipper, which is what Jeff Bilbro aggregates. So we're going to continue our conversation with Jeff in just a moment. And we're going to talk about showing up for your neighborhood. Um, what does it look like to cultivate genuine relationships in the actual neighborhood, like the actual physical neighborhood where you live? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. 150 million people, 150 million people 
actively use one particular app every month in the United States of America. I want that to be the Faith Radio app. How about you? If you're wondering how you could be encouraged in your faith at any time, anywhere, well, I got good news for you. There's literally an app for that. You can listen to Faith Radio live, any show on demand, no matter where you are at any time of the day or night. Download the free Faith Radio app right now. It's super easy. Just text the word APP to 877-933-2484 and click the link. Let's connect faith to life. Where does community exist in your neighborhood, like in your actual town, in your I mean, I, I, a city's too big. So, you know, where does community exist? And you may quickly um, answer that question with something that's particularly organized or organized around something. But um, we've got this showing up for your neighborhood piece that we want to lift up today. Kate Kate Lucky is the author. Jeff Vilbro is here to unpack it a little bit for us. Um, Jeff, take us into showing up for your neighborhood. And I think maybe this very, very simple way of acknowledging how community exists and how we can feed it. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, you know, she doesn't overpromise. Um, so what she talks about is playing with her husband, uh, playing music at the neighborhood farmer's market. And, you know, it's not glamorous. Uh, she doesn't say that, you know, she knows the the personal lives in a profound sense of every uh, regular that she sees each week of the, the different vendors that she talks to each week, but the, the, just being there and, um, having these conversations, even if they're rather superficial, normally, uh, getting to, to know and be known by, uh, people is a profound good. And, uh, it, it makes it possible for her and her husband to, uh, be a blessing to their neighbors and over time, to turn at least some of these more shallow acquaintances into genuine friends. And, and I think it's, the, it's a kind of very uh, accessible uh, and, and easily imaginable activity that doesn't seem like it's significant, but over time becomes really significant. I've wondered... Um... Jeff, I don't know if you play music or can sing. <clears throat> I uh, I sing, but, you know, like only God really appreciates it. Um, <laughs> and so I wouldn't, this wouldn't be the farmer's market thing that, that I could show up and do. But I have thought, you know what I could do? Like, I'm, I like to talk to people. Like, I really, I mean, I really do. I enjoy talking to people. And so I could just go with a card table and two chairs. And there could just be like, the, this conversation, like this could just be the conversation with Carmen table at the farmer's market and it wouldn't cost you anything. You just, anybody could sit down and, uh, right. I think that if, if we spent any time at all thinking about what, what do we have that we could contribute in the community to something that's already happening? A farmer's market is a, is a great example, but it could happen at your, you know, at your local park. I mean, uh, maybe you have a town square Like it doesn't actually have to be, <laughs> an organized event, you can just like show up and 
I don't know. Maybe you want to have a a, a, a a giveaway instead of having a yard sale. Why don't you just give your stuff away? Like, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm brainstorming here, but um, um, I think that there are ways for us to just get to know people um, that are less like organized and fantastical and maybe more what people really need, which is just like, hi, I'm your neighbor. My name is Carmen. Like something yeah. simple. Yeah, I think that's right, that we don't have to look for some event that needs to be produced. Uh, but but we can look for the places where people are already gathering and meet them there. And we don't have to offer a lot. We just have to offer ourselves and our presence and um, be open to the unexpected consequences of that, of getting to know people, uh, ho- hopefully in, in a, a way that is repeated and, you know, over, over months and years so that it's not just a one-time thing, but it's uh, more informal, but also uh, more longstanding. And that's how we start to uh, form communities. And that's how it's, it's, it's a thing that we can actually do um, when we are frustrated by uh, social media or frustrated by kind of uh, an online world that, that wants to be amusing and entertaining. You know, instead of just being frustrated and venting, uh, we can look outward and look for opportunities to begin building and participating in more healthy forms of community. Yeah, and I think that my conversation card table would need a couple of like a little tent card starter questions. Like I would take a yeah. couple of index cards and like fold them over in half. And I, I don't know, maybe um, because I I don't want to be the help station. Like I have to just confess that I'm not good at that. Jessica has texted in and she says, hey, I ha- I've helped a couple of people recently. And I it made me think maybe I'll just set up a card table at the Marta station. So she lives in Atlanta. So she's talking yeah. about a mass transit station. People could just come by. They could just tell me what kind of help they needed, and then I could help them navigate maybe how to rent an apartment or, you know, get their ID that they've lost. Um, I like to help people with different things, and if I couldn't help them, I could refer them to someone in my network. Okay, now i got to tell you, that is a super-duper, yes, that is awesome. That's like a ministry outpost. I'm just talking about a card table where people can come and chat. Let me just go ahead and super-duper confess right up front – Jessica's going to move the boulders in people's lives and I'm going to, you know, sit down and have a cup of coffee. I just I have to confess that. Right. Because I'm I'm like terrified and exhausted by the prospect of taking on all of the um, uh, follow through that Jessica's committing to. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, yeah. and I think both are good. Right. Like we don't have to let those um, just because we don't have the bandwidth in our lives to to serve in that way doesn't mean that we can do that, that there's nothing we can do right that's exactly right and and showing up for conversation isn't nothing no yeah hey we um we love that you show up for conversation with us let's um let's talk about this man without a village a beast or a god this david larson piece that's actually posted at front porch republic can you read us in on this yeah he, he sort of uh turns back to Aristotle and Aristotle's reflections on human community and the, and the purposes of community and uh, considers some possibilities that, that people have suggested for building uh, our urban landscapes, uh, our infrastructure in ways that promote community. But I really like the way that he, you know, he says that's, that's great, but the real problem is um, a, a lack of shared purpose, that we need to have some 
common goals that we share with others that we are pursuing together. And if, if that's the case, then yeah, changing our, uh, our infrastructure, being living in more walkable neighborhoods, et cetera, all that can be helpful. But if we don't have any kind of common goals, then, uh, then it's just window dressing and it won't actually uh, fundamentally improve the health of our communities. So clearly for Christians, right, we have some uh, pretty substantial common goals uh, that are built in. But even there's other ways of um, making yourself and your pursuits dependent upon the, the collaboration of other people. And that is when genuine community can be formed. Um, I was having a conversation recently and y y the Lord brought you to mind because I was thinking to myself, I wish I had Jeff Bilbro operating in the back of my mind right now to tell me how to respond uh, in this conversation to this person. So you are influencing um, the way that I think about things and the pace at which I engage and answer people's questions. So I just want to let you know you're, you're slowing me down, which is a good thing. That's a good thing. Um, and you're helping me to listen more thoroughly when someone is talking, especially about something that I've already formed an opinion about or I think I understand. And instead, just taking a deep breath and listening to them and letting them um, offer their viewpoint and testimony if they have one related to it. Uh, and sometimes then just sitting with that and not feeling like I have to respond and have an idea, a thought, or a story as well. So um, I just uh, I wanted to tell you that because I think that it's important every once in a while to remind one another, like, what influence this individual is having in my life. And that's, um, that's one of the ways you're influencing my life. And so thank you. Well, thank you. God's very kind. You know, the, yeah. the spirit works in mysterious ways. Indeed. 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 Hey, have a, uh, have a blessed day, my friend. You as well. Thank you. That's Jeff Bilbro. You can find him at Grove City College. You can also find him at the Water Dipper. It is an aggregated resource he puts together at frontporchrepublic.com. You can also find him at jeffbilbro.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBirds. Let's go upwards with Max Lucado. are singing just outside here comes your mercy streaming in with the morning light all right mary is on the text line which by the way you can always uh text with me during the show 877-933-2484 she says i'm using my coffee with carmen coffee cup right now um and i want to sit at the card table <laughs> Well, there you go. Avisa, you are. You are right now sitting at the card table. You may not be sitting at the card table. You may be driving to work or you may be uh, taking your dog for a walk. Um, but yes, we are right now sitting at the proverbial card table at the farmer's market or the park. Uh, and you're having coffee with Carmen. And if you're wondering where Mary got that coffee with Carmen coffee cup, you can go to CarmenLeBurge.com. Mm -hmm. There's no secret to any of this, but if you do want a coffee cup, that's where they are. Um, all right, we, um, we're going to talk with Ruth Kramer about what in the world is going on in the world. We'd love to check in with her from time to time. I would be remiss if I didn't tell you that right now I'm actively working on and preparing for our spring fundraiser. It is next week. Um, I have great expectations. Uh, Susie Larson said yesterday something that just made me 
I mean, I just could visualize it and I can see it. And it is how we approach um, Faith Radio fundraisers. We're on our tippy toes. Like, we're standing up on our tippy toes. We're so excited to share stories of what God is doing in and through this um, this media ministry. We love to hear from you during Spring Share. And so if you're saying to yourself, uh, I, I want to... Um, I want to record a faith radio story so that my testimony about the ministry of God to me through faith radio could be shared with others and inspire them, encourage them to give. Um, yeah, you can send an email to our friend Ben, ben at myfaithradio.com, and he will help make that happen because he's standing on his tippy toes too. So pray with us in anticipation of our spring fundraiser. We are fanning into flame um, the, the work that God has already started among us. And we appreciate your participation in the ministry through prayer and through financial support. And so uh, Spring Fundraiser is an opportunity to engage in that. So I'm looking forward to it and um, hope you are as well. Ruth Kramer is going to join us next from Mission Network News. We're going to talk about what's going on um, in Sudan and Nigeria. Um, We're going to talk about the way God is working in, in and through the lives of magnificent people because that's how God does what he does. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge. This is Faith Radio. To boldly go where no one has gone before. Ruth Kramer is joining us now. You should be checking out what's happening every day at Mission Network News because you can actually hear Ruth there every single day where she records um, information and news from around the world and keeps us in touch with what our brothers and sisters are not only enduring, but what our brothers and sisters are actively engaged in in terms of ministry. Ruth, welcome back. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Um, we, we, we have talked briefly um, already this week about what's going on in Sudan, but I'm hoping you have an update for us. Well, yeah, I'm I'm not really sure what you guys have discussed, but uh, some of the latest information has been disheartening because I know people were hoping that there was going to be a ceasefire negotiated. Uh, But actually, because of the situation with the clashes between the ongoing military and the rapid support forces, the United Nations World Food Program has actually halted all operations in the country. Um, So there's already a food uh, insecurity issue, a massive food insecurity issue, and now you have one of the big players of the game pulling out because of the chaos. Um, You know, the power vacuum that was discussed in the wake of the military coup a couple years ago is really seeing, I guess, its fruition right now. There's not really a government so to say, speak, uh, that's in place. The elected government has been booted out. The military took over. And now that you have a paramilitary force that's um, uh, pushing back against the um, Sudanese army, what you have is the potential for yet another civil war. And that is the concern there. Um, at the same time, what you're seeing is um, this push toward a religious government only because uh, at at some point, the leadership of the of the country had indicated they wanted Sudan to be an Islamic republic. Uh, that president is no longer there, but the military that took over promised a civilian government with sectarian overtones, and that also has not materialized. Um, so there's some concerns about what this is going to look like down the line, and religious freedom issues are a major issue because of what's happening there. Um, the other side of the, the coin is actually something I don't think that we were expecting to see. 
and that is that the young people of the country are demanding change and they're demanding a better future. And they're the voices who actually were behind uh, the beginning of the uprising back in 2019. Um, they know the rights. They know what things are supposed to look like. They are connected to the outside world and they're demanding some accountability. Although, you know, they're not the ones with the guns. Um, mm -hmm. The thing that we've seen that I think is interesting to note is that young people have have basically taken the step forward and said, we are going to be responsible for our future and we're telling you what we need. And so that's happening in the public sector, but also we're seeing that happen mirrored in the church. So in um, in every church now, you're going to see younger people and young the, the people who were behind the idea of revolution, they're now leading the churches, um, which is a wonderful thing because at, at some point in the in the game, um, there was concern that young people were looking at the church as something that only belonged to their grandparents. And so seeing this kind of shift uh, is something that we consider to be kind of an answer to prayer because it lays the foundation for a future of a vibrant body of Christ. And they're savvy people. So continue to be praying. Um, obviously, uh, we need to be praying for unity among the churches because it's one issue that has been repeated over and over and over when you get Sudanese together and they talk about all of the challenges. Unity is a, a reoccurring issue because of the the government was trying to undermine uh, the underground church and the above-ground church. And so they planted uh, spies within the congregations and those spies uh, basically created situations that um, caused the leadership of these churches not to want to work together because nobody could trust anybody. Nobody knew who the spies were. Um, and so they're continuing to be praying for unity and reconciliation and restoration so they can stay focused on what's important. And that is getting the love of God and the gospel out to people in their country uh, and into the unreached. Yeah, when we talk about Sudan, if you're listening right now, remember we're not talking about South Sudan, which is a majority Christian country. We're talking about Sudan, um, where more than 90% of the nation's population um, is, is Muslim. Um, Christianity is the largest minority faith in the country, but still only accounts for like 5.5% of the population. So just, uh, just be praying for this witness of Christians in the midst of all that's going on. Um, and as we as we pray today, um, it does appear that the ceasefire in Sudan um, did not hold, um, or maybe is tenuously holding. There's still the sound of gunfire, apparently, but technically the the ceasefire is holding. So we want to be just praying in the midst of all of that. Take us, um, Ruth, um, to what's going on in Nigeria and the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Here we're talking about overwhelmingly. Christian majority countries, the DRC like 90% Christian, um, and Nigeria 50% Christian, um, and yet there's an active effort um, to wipe out the Christian populations in those places. Tell, tell us what's happening. Well, in both areas, you're dealing with Islamic extremists. Um, the Both areas, uh, we're, we're looking at um, organizations who have share an ideology with the Islamic State and have thrown their hats in the ring um, to declare themselves either a, a province of the Islamic State or um, are trying to create a caliphate of their own. Um, they're kind of all they, when you, you you hear about their goals and their visions, it's it, almost everybody wants to have their own caliphate, but some 
organization, some of the, the extremist cells um, realize that they won't be able to unite everybody under their own guy um, and in different countries. So they are willing to just try to have their own most powerful um, cell to be able to take over the government, to be able to reestablish different things. And that's what's happening in the Congo. Um, with this situation, I think what I was looking at was a number of reports that were coming out over Holy Week where you were just seeing some gigantic numbers of believers who were attacked or killed or kidnapped. And really, when we did a story on, you know, an individual situation or an event, um, there was zero engagement with it. There was mm. very few eyeballs that landed on it and really no um, response to the story. And I had to start wondering why that was. I mean, when you're looking at the report from um, the International Society for Civil Liberties and Rule of Law, uh, they're saying that last year, 5,000 Christians were either killed, uh, 5,000 Christians were killed and 3,000 were kidnapped. And then uh, they're calling it a genocide. And there's still no movement, no interest in that. Um, it might have something to do with the fact that the State Department doesn't take what's going on in Nigeria um, to heart. Uh, they've, you know, removed Nigeria off the CPC. Um, so this is kind of one of those things where I just wanted to bring it up and talk about the issues of persecution and the fact that we're being desensitized to it because the, the, the attacks are so frequent and they're so monstrous. There's so much, you know, there's so many numbers involved. The, the, the number of people who are, um, murdered or who are kidnapped, uh, are just overwhelming to what we see and and they're happening so often that they can get confusing you know one week to the next is this the same one that we saw last week or is this mm. a new one surely it can't be a new one because it's like every sunday every two days every three days um and that's the whole point of it we are being desensitized or we have become desensitized to the gradual worsening of persecution in some of these areas um and and we're actually coming to accept degrees of persecution which would have seemed shocking and unacceptable at the beginning um, so when we were talking to our partners uh, that are working in some of these areas, World Mission basically came out and said, we need to be praying about this, um, that we have a soft heart towards the, the church under fire. Um, we need to be paying attention. It is a call to action in being aware of what is happening with the body of Christ in other countries because uh, we have the resources and we have the freedom to respond, whereas in some of the places like Nigeria and Democratic Republic of Congo, that's not going to be a thing for them. Um, we need to stand with them, hold their arms up, especially the leadership of the churches, because they're the ones that are really feeling the pressure um, between like the, 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 the hammer and the anvil. Um, and, and they're trying to shepherd a congregation while also trying to deal with uh, the the exert the pressures that are being exerted from these uh, radical extremists. Um, how do we go on the offense? Well, mi ministries like World Mission are sending the word of God in to encourage the believers, but also to take it to the unreached, people who've never heard the name of Christ, um, and to uh, hope that the seeds that are, that are planted there will eventually come to fruition. Does that en engender more persecution? It can. But we're not necessarily praying against that because we've seen the paradox of persecution where um, where we see the body of Christ grow in spite of that. Um, we can pray for the believers there to get grounded in God's word, that they find each other, that they find a body 
and walk together. Um, when you share each other's burdens, it helps so much in dealing with the pressures of what might be happening. You comfort each other. You celebrate together what is happening as a body. Um, and and we can continue to pray that the uh, the treasures, which are solar-powered audio Bibles, are going to get in the right hands and that the Word of God is going to change hearts. So we can be praying for the extremists who have been behind these attacks that somewhere along the line, God places uh, one of these treasures in their hands and they start listening. And we we, we can pray for a Damascene kind of a, an experience for some mm-hmm. of these guys because that does happen. And when you hear those stories, you just sit back amazed and going, you know, you just can't help but celebrate um, who God is to be able to change a heart from someone who is a persecutor to someone who is a a a believer who um, who is strong because of persecution. Mm-hmm. Let's um l- let's let's pray together. Father, we come before you on behalf of our brothers and sisters in Christ in Nigeria and the Democratic Republic of the Congo. We we confess to you we can't even really imagine what their lives are like. Um, we acknowledge that you've been um, you've been paying attention to this at a deeply personal and intimate level. Um, for years and years and years. And so forgive us for our failure to um, to see what's happening and to turn our hearts afresh to these brothers and sisters. We lift up to you the 14 million Christian brothers and sisters who have been uprooted and forced to flee their homes in the last 14 years. Um, we pray for the 800 churches that have been attacked we pray specifically um, for the families of the more than 52,000 Christians who have lost their lives in the last 14 years in, just in Nigeria alone. Father, forgive us for um, turning a blind eye and awaken us afresh to the concerns of um, people with whom we're going to spend eternity genuinely our brothers and sisters in Christ. Help us to grieve with them. Help us to supply for their needs when we are um, asked to do so. Uh, and help us to know how to be genuinely concerned about their welfare. And thank you, Father, for tending to their needs today by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to continue our conversation with Ruth Kramer from Mission Network News in just a moment. We're going to celebrate the life and ministry of George Verwer, if you're not familiar with that name, here's a brother you need to know. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. This is amazing grace. This is love. Continuing our conversation with Ruth Kramer, you can find what we're talking about at missionnews.org. Um, but let's just celebrate the life and legacy of George Verwer. For people not familiar with him, 
Um, who is he? And I mean, how did God use him in his life? It's an extraordinary story. Well, he was kind of a maverick. George Furwer is connected most closely with founding Operation Mobilization. Um, he had wild ideas for the time. When he became a believer, he was just really convicted that this message needed to get out to as many people as possible. And he went around trying to figure out how to do that in the best way possible. I mean, it started with a bunch of uh, kids, college kids that were in a worn out van going around Mexico and distributing Bibles. Um, and people said, you can't do it that way. And he said, watch me. <laughs> You know, um, he branched out to Europe and then around the world. And one of the things that he did that um, was so, oh, it was so different. Uh, he got so much pushback on was to actually establish um, what is the the ship's ministry. Um, he bought a boat. Mercy ships. And, yeah. Yeah. And he said, I'm going to take a floating library to all these different countries in a port of call. And we're just going to open it up and do a book fair. And people said, the the established agency said, you can't do it that way. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. And he said, well, I think it does. And God's going to open the doors for that. So watch me. And so he did. Um, and this is one of those things where he was he was an entrepreneur. He was a pioneer of so many things. And he was willing to try new ideas. And because he tried new ideas, uh, they they were successful. The gospel got out. People came to the Lord, lives were changed, countries were changed, the ministry was founded, and now you've got like 3,000 OM workers in 150 different, different countries with a huge range of ministries um, that are effective and continuing to plant seeds and continuing to see a harvest. Um, this was an amazing man. Uh, his, his life and vision and passion was always about the gospel, um, and he understood what it took to get there. He understood mistakes and coming back. And um, he was, like I said, he was creative because he was willing to try things nobody else had ever done. And we see that kind of uh, that thinking all the way through what OM is doing even today because OM is one of the first uh, ministries to incorporate an idea like doing a coffee house. Just opening a coffee house, running it like a business, but also having it be staffed by followers of Christ who would be willing to just sit down and have a cup of coffee. Um, just have a conversation with people who are coming in. Art galleries, that's another one that OM uh, started doing as a, a branch of ministry because uh, speaking art, you know, um, the, the language of art to another artist opens a conversation. The church is sus you know, suspects artists of being weirdos and artists suspect churches of being weirdos. And so you don't really have a lot of cross-pollination, but when you have an, a space there where they can come together, uh, conversations happen. And again, lives change. OM has been at the forefront of some of the most creative endeavors in gospel work, I think, to date. Yeah, if you want to check out um, Operation Mobilization, it's just om.org. They have a wonderful, um, they have a wonderful piece posted now about their their founder, the visionary George Verwer, who we're talking about right now, brother in Christ, now with the Lord. Um, yes, thank you to those of you texting in um, about Charles Stanley. We are aware and celebrate his life as well. Um, you you enjoy listening to In Touch here on the Faith Radio Network. Charles Stanley has also gone uh, to be with the Lord. Um, folks are asking for an update on Ryan Coer in Mozambique. Um, do you have one to share with us today, Ruth? 
We do, and we finally got clearance to be able to release it. Now, this is the situation. Um, well, I, you already have the backstory, but I'm going to just kind of go over it really quick. Um, the the situation in Mozambique is that the country's been embroiled in a war with Islamic State. Uh, so when you've got something like that with an insurgency going on, security forces are, are watching for unusual supply lines that are coming in and out of the country because of the, the terror cells. Um, the pilot, Ryan Coer, was a pilot with Mission Aviation Fellowship. He was with two South African men who were on a supply run to an orphanage in Capo Delgado, which is actually an area where you've got some really active stuff happening with the Islamists uh, right now. Um, but because they had a supply run of like food and medicine and vitamins and things like that, they were flagged and detained on an accusation that actually escalated very quickly to supporting terrorism. So then they were put in jail. Um, for a while, they were actually denied uh, counsel, and uh, the ambassadors for their different countries were also denied access to the prisoners. We asked you guys to be praying for them. The situation now is March 14th, the government uh, provided a provisional release, but he the, the, the men were told to stay in Mozambique. On the 29th, Ryan Coer and his family were reunited. So that is a, that is a praise, but part of the reason we couldn't talk about it was because there is still a judicial process that we didn't want to jeopardize with um, talking about the case or anything that might be perceived as critical of the government. Um, that process is still moving forward, but some of the, these uh, bullet point facts are what we've been cleared to to release. A lot of this has been out in the prayer chains that MAF has sends out, um, and since that's already out there and it's leaking out all over the place, they just said, fine, let's go public with all of that information. Um, he is still required to report in at regular intervals um, to the authorities in, uh, in uh, Nampula. Um, the lawyer is monitoring the case. They're in connection, uh, communication with the prosecutor to try to conclude the investigation. Um, so that's good news. But the fact that there's still an investigation is the matter for prayer. Um, the legal process, nobody knows when that's going to be completed. Um, there's yeah. been a lot of delays, and that's one of the major issues that we want to continue to pray about. Um, pray that the case will be dropped uh, against all three men. Um, and they're praying that... Uh, the ministry will continue to flourish in spite of uh, the disruption that has been going on. So there are the, the that's the update. We don't have a timeline for when this case is actually going to be finalized or when things are actually going to move to court. Um, so we ask you to continue to pray. Ruth, um, as always, thank you so very much. We're praying with you and for you on all of these fronts. Um, hey, we got a second hour of Mornings with Carmen coming up next. We're going to talk about Freedom Prayer. We're going to talk about deliverance. We're also going to talk with Bill English about living under a government that may be opposed to your faith. All kinds of things going on in the world um, to be talking about as we bring our attention to the mind of Christ. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.